Where are you going, master? For a drink. Hello. Bonus time. Woo! Welcome to our special Rebels recap, rewatch, whatever series of Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. I'm Alice. I'm Laura. Welcome. Willkommen. Is that how you say it in German? I don't know. Okay. We'll just say it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. Don't know that one. Um, Yay. Welcome to our bonus series. We've done... Uh, seasons one and two. If you haven't listened to those, you can go check those out. Or don't. If you're just like, I don't want to watch seasons one and two. It's your life, man. Do what you want. So before we get started with our season three little deep dives-ish, we had a special message with some useful info from listener Heather. Yeah, I wanted to share this message that we got on Instagram, and it's about Alice's favorite little feature from season one of Star Wars Rebels that she refers to as Ezra's what now, uh, Alice? What's it? What is it? The tingle jingle. His tingle jingle, yes. It's the little mm-hmm. uh, noise, force noise that is made um, when Ezra is feeling the force before he even knows what that even means means but it's a very noticeable cute thing that we talked about in our season one recap and so we got this message from listener heather hi force toast friends i listened to your rebels recap episode and i'm re-watching the first season now i wanted to point out a fun fact that that fun little tingly jingly music cue that plays when ezra feels something which we will realize later is the force that pattern of three notes that descend and ascend back up are actually a nod to the intro of the cue that leads into the force theme in episode four a new hope when ben can Kenobi talks to Luke for the first time. If you start episode four at exactly 31 minutes, she checked, you can find it right there, which is really cute. So in the Rebels episode, it does actually lead into the rest of the Force theme a few times as well, like when Ezra and Kanan talk for the first time and when he finds the lightsaber. Anyway, just had to share that little snippet of score trivia since it's my own personal Star Wars specialty. Stay classy and sassy and may the Force theme be with you. So cute. Thank you so much, Heather, for that fun message. That is trivia I didn't know. And I like Force, I like Star Wars uh, score trivia too. So that's so cool. Yeah, nice. I never would have known. I know nothing about music, but very cool. And we will attempt to say to stay classy, but. I'm pretty sure we've got the sassy down, so hot dog. Yeah, no, there's no class here, just sass. <laughs> <laughs> However it turns out, it turns out. It does. So hopping into our season three recap, kind of reminder of what we're doing. We found a random internet list from a guy named Dave, and we'll just be reviewing those episodes. We'll give you the title, key info, quick summary thoughts. We'll talk about anything that we think could be relevant to Ahsoka or or maybe like an Easter egg we'd like to see. And we're going to try to keep it brief-ish. So we'll be alternating different sets of episodes and see where we get. A little bit about season three. It is another 22 Epper. Just made that up. Epper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it ran from September 2016 through March 2017. So this was pretty condensed compared to season two. I think season two was like a June through March or something. Huh. Well, that's kind of fun. I will say, I think this season's got, and I I guess season two is kind of this way too. This season like takes a little bit of like a darker note. It's a little bit more Mm -hmm. grown up, I think, deals with some more adult themes, but it's still that 
classic Star Wars goodness. Um, still keeps it light for the most part, and it's just delightful. So I like it. I'm excited. Let's get to it. First batch of episodes, all you. Yes. Okay, so I had the first two episodes, which are Step Into the Shadow, part one and two. I'm going to sort of take them separately. Funny thing I wanted to mention, I noticed that in like our first two recap episodes for seasons one and two, there's a, there seems to be like fewer episodes. So we're, I feel like, you know, there's a lot more relevant stuff in season three. It's probably worth going through and watching the whole season if you're doing a full recap. But if you're not, watch the ones that we're talking about because I think these are all solid for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so Step Into the Shadow, part one. Ezra pulls a full Luke Skywalker, and in this third installment is a more, it's a darker, more mature Jedi vibe that he's rocking here. Um, And he's acquired a new lightsaber off screen. So we're going full on Return of the Jedi with Ezra in season three of Rebels. And a new haircut. I know, and a new haircut, that's right. He's got like more of a sort of cleaner cut shaved look going his new lightsaber is green and it does not have that funky blaster component that his first one did but oh well and he's also had an insane growth spurt he's like way taller in this season than he has been in other seasons and there's a bunch of like super fucking cool like flipping through the air and like some with his lightsaber and somehow not chopping his own limbs off don't know how it works but it's a very cool move that i sincerely hope we see in live action someday although i don't even know how a real human would do what he does even like a like a stunt person i don't know it's like it's cool though cartoon magic there's lots of really cool ninja fights in this season there is there really is so the mission of this first episode is to save hondo anaka and yay hondo we've skipped all of the hondo episodes in rebels i think up until now but he's a fantastic character you can see a really great animatronic of him at galaxy's edge at the millennium falcon ride and he's voiced by legendary voice actor jim Cummings. Lots of great Hondo episodes in Rebels and Clone Wars. He's just a real fun character. And he's a pirate. And that's kind of all you need to know about him. But Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper bust Hondo out of prison. Um, Sabine also has new hair, by the way. Ezra uses the force to make like a scout walker pilot fire on his own people. And then he makes the walker fall off of a cliff. So kind of dark. Everyone kind of thinks that this is like too dark. But at the same time, it's like, you're in a war, you guys. Like, calm calm down. This is war. And they tell Hera about this later in the episode. And Hera's, like, not phased at all. Like, does not react to be, like, in the same way that they all do, where they all think it's, like, too dark. But for some reason, she is pissed that Hondo's, like, Ugnot friend, Turba, died during the rescue. Died, allegedly. I can't remember if he actually dies or not. Even though he's, like, not really supposed to be part of the mission anyway. She doesn't know him. Like, girl, why do you care? Ezra throws, like, a shit fit in his room and talks to the Sith holocron because Hera got mad at him, and now he's upset because he's a moody teenager. And Ezra tells the, like, talking toy pyramid, the Sith holocron, that he has to become stronger so none of his friends ever get hurt again. I think the Ezra theme of this season, we've evolved from he sucks to he's a little bitch. He's a little bitch. He's a very whiny little bitch. I definitely have that in my notes several times throughout the season, which... (laughs) At the end of the day, is character growth, Alice, for Ezra. So He's in his Order of the Phoenix era. He is. Oh, God, that's a really great way to put it. Everyone's Mm -hmm. a whiny little bitch in that book and movie, especially Harry. Okay, so then we cut to Governor Price and Governor Tarkin. And this, I think, is the first we've seen of Arinda Price in our recap Mm -hmm. series. And she is a fucking monster. Like, just 
pure evil. She's got no redeeming qualities. She's she's a monster. And she tells Harkin that she wants the Seventh Fleet to help her deal with the Lothal rebels. And Tarkin is just like, why can't you work with Constantine in his fleet? And Price is like, because Constantine sucks. And Tarkin's like, that's fair. We'll <laughs> see Constantine again. He's our new Ezra sucks. Constantine sucks in so many ways in this season. But anyway, the point of rescuing Hondo in this episode is because he had intel on these fighters that the rebels want to steal these Y-Wings. And Commander Sato puts Ezra in charge of the mission and he promotes Ezra to Lieutenant Commander and it's a cool promotion and everyone's all excited. And Sato's like, there's no pay raise. And everyone's like, all right, cool. Hera tells Ezra that Kanan will be proud of him. And Ezra says, well, he's got a funny way of showing it. Because now, just like in Order of the Phoenix, everyone's being a whiny little bitch. And Kanan, who was ever the drama queen has grown a beard and he spends all day sitting around and meditating on Chopper Base and being a whiny little bitch. And he has a slightly modified costume too. Everybody got a little bit of an upgrade this season with their costumes, all of our main oh. character. So that's kind of fun. And the Bendu who we met in season two comes to talk to him. He's our force moose therapist this season and he comes back. What I could not stop thinking about when I saw the Bendu, I was like, oh my God, he's, this is like some The Last of Us shit. He's like one of the most leveled up, leveled up, whatever. Yeah. He's one of the most leveled up zombie creature things because he's got all those like. Yeah. He looks like a big mushroom. Oh my God. I like didn't even make that connection. You're totally right. I wonder if that was like any of the inspiration for his design style. That's weird. It is. He's like a moose fungus zombie. Yeah. Oh, I love that. With the force. So weird. Yeah, he also turns into a whiny bitch at the end of the season. Uh-huh. Um, so Kanan goes to talk to Ezra and he finds him messing with the Sith holocron and he learns that he's been using it and he gets pissed. And Ezra's like, you should maybe try using it. You might learn something, <laughs> which is like a sick burn, like a lightsaber to the eyes. Also a sick burn. Kanan takes the holocron. <laughs> and <laughs> Good one. Uh, thank you. I like so that. Kanan takes the holocron and Ezra tells him he doesn't need it. I don't know what that note is. I didn't finish my thought here. That's really funny. Anyway, Kanan takes the holocron and Ezra's like, because he's we've got two whiny little bitches here. Kanan goes to the Bendu, a.k.a. Um, Moose Monk, a.k.a. What did you call him? I like your word better. The leveled up Last of Us. Yeah. Mushroom man. Yeah. Fungus moose thing. Fungus moose. I like it. <laughs> Okay, the Bendu tells Kanan that his imbalance woke him from a deep slumber, and he tells Kanan, uh, the Jedi and the Sith wield the light and the dark, and the Bendu is the one in the middle. So Bendu takes the sensor rod that Kanan is using to keep the spiders away, and he breaks it. And Kanan's like, uh, shit, dude, I'm like blind, I can't see anything. That was the only thing protecting me from these spiders. And the Bendu tells Kanan that he needs to learn to see things differently. So Kanan asks him if he can restore his sight and Bendu's like, LOL, no. (laughs) Which is some bullshit because like this is Star Wars and cybernetic body parts have been a thing for a very long time in the universe. They're literally even a thing in the book A New Dawn where Kanan and Hera meet a character who goes blind and one of them suggests that she gets cybernetic eyes and she's just like, nah. Like, what? He could have done that. I don't know. It's fine. I mean, he would have had to like go into a hospital Right. Or something. And probably like register and like do a bunch of paperwork. And he's like, no, nah, I'd just rather be blind. Yeah, I've seen people avoid going to hospital on TV shows so they don't get caught. 
Fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. So Ezra, Hondo, Sabine, Rex, Zeb, Chopper, uh, they all get in the Phantom. They go to Yarmo, which is where all these Y-Wings supposedly are, according to Hondo. And they get stopped by the Mining Guild on the way. And they're like, you have to pay a toll. And Sabine, like, shoots their fighters. And Ezra wants to go back and, like, destroy the Mining Guild command ship so that there are no witnesses to this incident. And Sabine is like, dude, that's not our mission. And that's like super dark. It's like really not necessary. And Rex is like, yeah, dude, like chill. It's it's really fine. Enter Thrawn, baby. Thrawn has entered the chat. Burr, 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 burr. That's it. Nailed it. That's I it. I did? You did. I got it. That was it. I got it? Yeah. Really? I think that was it. Yeah. I think you For nailed it. For the first it. time? It only that... took me four and a half years? Yeah. It's been a long time, but I think you nailed it. Yes, finally. This is this is big. This is Thrawn big. Um, so the Emperor just promoted Thrawn to Grand Admiral. So this is a new fancy title for a new fancy villain. And this is how you know that Dave Filoni's Thrawn is going to be pretty different than like canon novel Thrawn. Because mm-hmm. the first thing that we learn is that Thrawn got promoted following his victory at a battle where civilian casualties outnumbered the rebel insurgents that they were going after. That is not Thrawn in the novels like Thrawn in the novels is not he doesn't want to like waste resources killing a bunch of people that don't need to die for any reason just to like go after some people like that's just not how he operates I don't think in the novels at all so this is really this is a little bit unusual but this is kind of we're setting the tone here in Rebels I think with the Thrawn you can expect probably in Ahsoka so Keep that in mind. But Thrawn figures out the Phoenix Squadron is going after the fighter ships at Yarma, and he decides he's going to make them his bitch. So the rebels arrive at Yarma, where they're supposed to just be doing recon, and they see that um, the Empire is destroying the Y-Wings that they were going to steal. So Ezra decides, we have to change the mission, and we're going to steal these ships. Ezra's just being a power-hungry little bitch and ordering Sabine and Rex around, and it's, like, kind of fucked up. And that's pretty much it for that episode, so... In terms of what's relevant to Ahsoka, um, I don't know. It does give you an idea of who Hondo is. I feel like he's bound to show up in live action at some point. So I hope so. Yeah. If you've never watched The Clone Wars and you haven't seen any of the Hondo episodes up until now, this is a good intro to who Hondo is. I would love nothing more than to see Hondo in real life. Also, Rebels loves a good two-parter. Yes. They're bookending this season, for sure. There may even be some in the middle. I don't know. There are. There are? Okay. Every season has multiple two-parters i'm pretty sure they love it they were just mm-hmm. like we can't fit the story into 22 minutes which i admit would be a challenge so good on them for just two-parter it is it's their little loophole mm-hmm. all right so that was part one <laughs> step into the shadow part two on yarma that's where most of this takes place the phantom gets shot down and somehow recovers and it attaches itself to the space station where all the y-wings are getting destroyed and hondo talks to some ugnots that are there working at the station and convinces them to shut down the conveyor belt that's destroying these ships and for the record he does not talk to them in the same way that din jarin does this like i have spoken stuff like was not a thing when Rebels is made. Um, He kind of talks to them like making pig noises. It's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. So then we cut back to Kanan and Bendu at Chopper Base and Bendu is helping Kanan train on his like non-sight senses in order to quote unquote see the world around him. And Kanan realized that it's not the spiders that are perceiving him as fearful, grieving, and angry. It's himself. He's perceiving himself that way. So he's been distancing himself from everyone in the Force, and it's just not a good situation. So the Bendu teaches him that his connection to the Force allows him to see in ways others cannot. If Kanan can see himself, 
he will never be truly blind. Which I really oh. like. It's like kind of a, it like reminded me a lot of that quote in the Kenobi show. Only when the eyes are closed can you truly see the way. Which is just a line I really, really liked from that show. There's like, yeah. every, we're sort of, there are little echoes of it with Kanan's whole journey in this season. So Kanan leaves the Bendu. Uh, he leaves, he leaves him, but he leaves the Sith holocron with him. Um, and it's all fun. And then on Yarma, the Empire realizes that the rebels are trying to steal the Y-Wings and mayhem ensues. And Hera tries to contact Ezra and realizes that everything has fallen to shit because everything always falls to shit. So the rebel fleet goes to Yarma to help and Kanan and Hera go in the ghost. Um, we learn that Titus, who is this Imperial Admiral, I think that we met last season, maybe, he was like running that experimental Star Destroyer that had the gravity well projector, he got demoted and his new job is to just like run this ship junkyard now. So like major demotion for Titus. Sucks to suck. Kinda. Yeah, pretty much. Chopper at one point in this episode like gets fried, but he's like miraculously just fine. Doesn't matter. So we just kind of move on from it. Hondo steals an Imperial shuttle with a couple of the Ugnaughts and basically like bails on the whole mission. And Ezra just laughs this off because it's, it's Hondo. Like, I mean, what yeah. can you do? That's just what happens when you depend on Hondo. Par for the course. So the rebels escape with seven Y-Wings or something, like most of which are being flown remotely by Chopper. And uh-oh, the Y-Wings don't have hyperdrives. And uh-oh, the Empire is here. And uh-oh, the Phantom gets destroyed. The ghost little baby ship, gone, gone. The junkyard station on Yarma starts to explode and it falls to the surface, but Ezra is still on it, so that's not good. And the rebel fleet arrives, the Y-Wings are saved, the ghost heads down to the planet to save Ezra, and he's like riding the giant piece of busted space station as it's just speeding towards the surface. So Kanan grabs Ezra from the airlock before the station crashes and the rebel fleet, everybody escapes and lives happily ever after. Price has to call Thrawn and tell him that he was right about everything. And she's like, hey, the rebel fleet is here. And Thrawn's like, that's not the rebel fleet, actually. Let them go. Let them escape. Have their little victory and go about your day. Which is kind of a theme for Thrawn. He does this over and over again. It's kind of weird. But it's like, it helps him learn about the rebels and their goals and all their fun shit. So back at Chopper Base, uh, Hera is pissed because Ezra shit the bed on this mission. So he gets demoted and we learn that the Y-Wings are actually for General Dodonna's unit. And Kanan and Ezra talk and Ezra asks where the Sith holocron is. And Kanan's like, don't worry about it. It's safe. Ezra thanks Kanan for coming back. Kanan tells him that he will always come back. Narrator, he wouldn't. He doesn't always come back, actually. He, he, yeah, at some point that Aww. doesn't, that's not true anymore. Um, so that's the end of that episode. To talk about what could be related to Ahsoka, Kanan just made that comment to Ezra, but there will in fact come a day where Kanan will not come back. You may think it's because he's dead. The real reason is that Freddie Prince Jr. does not seem to have any interest in returning to this character. So you can rest assured we will not be getting any Kanan cameos in person as a forest ghost, probably not even like a voiceover cameo, like hallucination or anything in Ahsoka, which is sad. Maybe we'll be surprised. Who knows? Maybe. Freddie Prince Jr. has made these comments that he thinks that every appearance Kanan has made since the character's death in season four diminishes Kanan's impact, which is just not, I just don't think it's true at all. Like, imagine if we never saw Obi-Wan after he dies in A New Hope. Like, the whole original trilogy 
would have just felt in. it. It's weird. It's weird. What appearances has he made? He was in the Rise of Skywalker, like the audio. You could hear his voice talking to Rey. He oh. was in the Bad Batch, which is like takes place long before Rebels. So I don't know why that's even a thing for him. And then I think he shows up in one of the Clone Wars episodes, but he's just like in the background or some shit. I don't know. Or maybe it's the Jedi Tales. I don't know. Somewhere. They're all small appearances. It doesn't feel like it's related at all. So I don't know where he's pulling this out of. I don't know. Hmm. But anyway, this is not the first or last time that we will see this kind of behavior from Thrawn when he decides it's not worth the effort to chase the rebels because there's like something bigger at play. That's just kind of how he operates. So this is the focus that Thrawn has. Like he knows every minute detail he needs to know to be successful, but he's never deterred from the bigger picture. And that's part of what makes him such a huge threat because he just like plays every single piece on the board. It's crazy. 3D chess, yo. Yep. So that's parts one and two of Step Into the Shadow, our first two episodes of season three. All right. On to episode three, The Holocrons of Fate. We start off Kanan and Ezra. Ezra's being all pissy, throwing a little hissy fit because Kanan hid the holocron. And he's all like, I want my holocron, Kanan. Anywho, they're like flying around and they come upon an attack ship. There's a big fight there. They board. There's a guy barely clinging to life. And they're like, what happened here? And he's all like, eh, eh, red eh, blade. Eh, eh. And then he probably dies. I don't remember. Anyway, so <laughs> only one thing um, to infer from that is Maul. Maul is back. Yay! And he wants Ezra and the ghost, and he wants his holocron, and he kidnapped Hera. Mm. He's also still living in a huge state of delusion, thinking that Ezra is his apprentice. <laughs> he has the whole ghost crew, apart from Kanan and Ezra, under like lock and key. He's like, yeah, I want to chop off some heads. This will be great. Give me both the Sith and Jedi holocrons, or decapitation galore haha and of course ezra had dropped the bomb that they had a jedi holocron because otherwise maul wouldn't know so ezra's a little snitch snitches get stitches yeah well not in ezra's case i don't think mm. so maul's hanging out with Hera, zeb sabine etc he's like Hera, give me a tour of your house because everyone loves a good house tour ha 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 and then he decides to taunt sabine like i used to be your leader da, 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 da. and people are like what and she's like yeah mm -hmm, <laughs> she's like watch the clone wars <laughs> so maul <laughs> This is a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> while he's got like Hera cornered, I said Maul drops the Sea Doom. So I guess Maul knows Kanan's real name. Yeah. Caleb Doom. Or maybe it's Caleb with a K. I don't know. No, it's with a C. C. Yeah. Okay. All right. He invaded her mind and takes the Holocrussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gross. I love it. So he gets the Jedi holocron from Kanan's underwear drawer. <laughs> now we go back to our Jedi friends and they're like, oh, we have to find this damn Bindu again. Um, they get attacked by the spiders. Bindu's being all sneaky dickens by taking away their thumper, as they call it. The little. Uh, oh, the like sensor thingy. rod thing. Yeah. Yeah. He takes it. 
And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Now, Kanan has learned a lesson after having all of his, like, The Last of Us training time. Ezra missed out on it. So he's like, I want to, like, kill him. And Kanan has to be like, no, like, chill out. Bendu starts rambling. He loves talking in riddles, talking about a vergence of bringing the holocrons together. And evidently, they grant magic wishes and let you see everything or something. So he's like, ha, go that way, because he hid it in a hidey hole, so they have to go find it. Now, Maul, back to Maul on the ghost, he's like getting all pissy because he's trying to open the Jedi holocrusty mm-hmm. and he can't and he's like what I hate this it's like him trying to do a Rubik's cube that's broken mm. you know it's, just, it's frustrating if you don't have the instructions mm-hmm. or if it's broken it doesn't matter if you have the instructions so ghost crew was like okay he's really distracted trying to solve this so let's fight back And then they decide to use, I love in Star Wars, when they do, like, magnetize. So they magnetize the ship and his legs got stuck. Can I just note that there's no explanation as to how Hera knows that Maul is part droid? Like, why does she know that? I always forget that. And I know that. Lifetime movie? I don't know. He, like, wears pants and everything. Like, you can't even tell. Maybe he, like, he probably needs some WD-40 at this point, you know? Like, he's probably, like, creaking around. He's a little little rusty, a little crickety. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, or maybe, like, Sabine knew about it. Yeah, and mentioned it off screen. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's part droid. Anyway, turn on the magnets. Like, why is that a feature on your ship? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, hurrah, it worked. And then it didn't because, you know, he has the force and lightsabers and shit. So back to the hidey hole. Kanan is guiding Ezra with his ears. So Kanan's outside the hole. Ezra's in the hole. Ezra sucks. So Kanan has to go in the hole, too. Bindu's cracking weird jokes again. Emo time. Hug it out, bros. To no one's surprise, they find the Sith holocron, but it's on a giant spider butt. Good thing they can make shit float. Ta-da! Problem solved. Nice. Yep. So they get out of the hidey hole. The Bindu's like, well, you guys have to help, so watch out with secrets and stuff. (laughs) Very. It's great advice. Yeah. Back to Maul. He has, like, the rendezvous spot where Kane and Ezra have to bring the Sith holocron. And he's like, yeah, like, tradesies. Everyone will be safe. Uh. So, of course, Maul's, like, taunting the blind guy, which is so rude. And he's taking Ezra. And he's like, they're all safe. Don't worry. He sticks Kanan in the airlock. He's in space. Ice crystals. He Mary Poppinses himself back. Rebels did it first. Yep. Rebels did a lot of things first. They did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good call. So there's more sharing games with Maul and Ezra because sharing is caring. Mm -hmm. Um, They chit-chat about, like, sharing secrets and gossiping and playing that, you know, Maul game that had the phone. Oh, telephone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they decide to share the holocrons. The holocrons are floating. There's bright lights. There's a big bang noise from the holocrons being like, ooh, we're floating together. Meanwhile, Kanan has to go rescue the ghost crew because... As autocorrect says, male was going to have them all murdered. <laughs> I also have a lot of male in my notes this season <laughs> instead of mall. Yeah, well, you know what, mall? Liar, liar, metal pants on fire. Yeah, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. So back to the holocron light stuff. Ezra's like, ooh, twin suns. And then the holocrons explode. 
And Maul starts rambling like a crazy person and stumbling away like, well, he lives because he's just obsessed with Kenobi and can't get over it. And he's a stalker. Mm -hmm. And that's it. As far as Ahsoka, will there be any kind of Bindu type thing? Will we see holocrons? I also have a big question about whether or not the Bindu will show up. At some point in Ahsoka, it would just be fucking cool. Um, I did note that Kanan telling the Bendu that Ezra needs to learn how to solve problems without his lightsaber is kind of a cool moment because then in the season, at the end of season four, Ezra disappears without his lightsaber. Has to go on without it. So, little tiny bit of foreshadowing there. Also, I really like the scene where Kanan tells Ezra to, like, not be a threat to the spiders and to, like go in peace i'm like I, for some reason i just love that moment in this show and i'm just like wouldn't it be cool if that's just how being out in the wild worked if you could just like go out in the wild and not be attacked by bears and wolves if you were just like go in peace i'm just walking on this trail i won't be attacked yes you will it's not how life works but i like that it works that way in this show yeah i just like how the bendu decided to like put the holocron on a spider's butt mm-hmm He's like, why? You go push your whole hollow crussy into that. <laughs> <laughs> ah. All right. On to episode five, Hera's Heroes. Fun episode. We're not on LaFall, thank God. We are on Ryloth. Fun. Yeah. That is like Twilight Planet extravaganza. We start with a chase scene, speeders versus the blurgs. Love that there's a thing called blurgs. Yep. Got those in Mando a lot. Uh, Hera flies in to rescue. She blows up Tank. She saves the day. And her dad, for that matter, because that's who we are looking at. Cham Sandula. Yay. I don't know why I pronounced that weird, but woo. Thrawn pronounces it weird. He's just like Sindula. So you can say it however weird you want, Alice, because Thrawn does. Yeah, I think my mouth is just kind of dry from coffee, so whatever. <laughs> It's going to come out how it comes out. Mm -hmm. So Hera's like hometown area and house have been occupied by the Empire. And she starts talking about how the Calicori totem is lost. It's a really special like family heirloom trinket that tells the whole history of her family, basically. So sad face. She's upset. The whole team, they're plotting, plotting, plotting. How can we go and break back into the house while also kind of crippling the Empire? Ezra dresses up like a scout trooper type person and is pretending to arrest Hera, that good old trope. And they go into her house. It's a damn mansion. There's lots of cute art with baby Hera. And they're looking for the Calicori. She finds it within about two seconds. So that's great. And then they hear a noise and they're like, oh, no, let's hide behind a partition. Good thing they hid because it's Thrawn. Mm. Yeah. Big scary Thrawn. Yep. So Thrawn is all up in that office too, and they've got to try extra hard to escape. Chopper had gone in with them, and I think Chopper's all disguised in like empire colors. Yeah. Kind they, of... they paint him like black and red. Mm hmm. Yeah. So he tries to make a distraction so they can get out of there, but oopsie, Hera runs right into Thrawn. He takes the Calicori, and now she's captured. Thrawn already figured it all out. He knows who she is, really, and what's up, and she gets thrown into the jail cell. Ezra. When I think when he's thrown into the jail cell, gets knocked out because he sucks. Mm -hmm. And Thrawn's like, ha, this Calicori is going in my art gallery. This will be delightful. Ha ha. Empire gets in touch with the rest of the ghost crew and Hera's dad and is like, hey, we have Hera and Ezra. 
surrender or else so champ's like all right i will sacrifice myself to save my daughter like it's all good everyone just drop me off and you know whatever chopper's a good boy and he's gonna help them break out of jail so he goes to look for explosives prisoner exchange time oh kaboom all the explosives go off and everyone escapes and once again thrawn is like meh whatever and watches them fly away there's a bunch of emo talk and many hurrahs. You're like, Chopper's a good boy. Chopper is also a fucking psycho because he's like placing explosives around mm-hmm. the house and he's like laughing maniacally. It's awesome. <laughs> as far as what could be in Ahsoka, don't know if there's anything really relevant, you know, apart from Hera. I wonder if we'll see Cham. I would think not. I'm like, I don't need to see any more shitty looking Twi'leks in live action. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks, though. Yeah. Okay. On to episode seven, Imperial Super Commandos. Ooh. All right. So we have Fen Rao and Sabine sitting in gel cell, and they're basically playing like cube battleship light bright. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Evidently, there have been no more communications with Concord Dawn, and everyone's like, ooh, what's up with that? We should go see. So Ezra, Sabine, and Fen Rao go on a ship. Ezra sucks, so they get knocked out by him. <laughs> him being Fen Rao. Uh. He was under arrest. So they wake up, and they walk off the ship, and they're like, okay, because Fen Rao's just like straight up standing around like, boo-hoo, my base was destroyed. All the other Mandos are dead. It was a surprise attack. Womp womp. Then a probe droid, of course, shows up. I hate those things. They're creepy and gross. And we have some traitor Mandos flying in that I think are probably the Imperial Super Commandos. But whatever. Ezra gets surrounded. Sabine and Fen Rao, they're walking around. They're like, what do we do? And Ezra's just like being interrogated. We meet Gar Saxon, dickhead extraordinaire, viceroy of Mandalore. He's voiced by Ray Stevenson, too. Oh. Who plays Balin in Ahsoka. Different character, yeah. same voice actor, the late Ray Stevenson. He is Clan Vizsla as well. Mm-hmm. We have a Rao revelation. He's like, you know what? I would be dead if you guys hadn't kidnapped me. Maybe I like you after all. So then they're like, yes, we must acquire weapons. Weapons acquisition time, go. Uh, Sabine finally gets her jetpack, so that's good. Sabine rescues Ezra, but Fen Rao abandons them like a mofo. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. We get some nice exposition around Sabine's family. Her mom joined the Empire. Sabine, we find out that she was in the Imperial Academy or a little more about that. And again, using Chopper. Chopper makes a big distraction. And Sabine and Ezra escape. She jetpacks around and he holds on tight. He's deflecting stuff with his lightsaber. It actually looks pretty cool. Also very dangerous if he's just holding on to her floating around and, you know, waving his lightsaber all over the place. But it's fine. Uh, They get to the Super Commando ship, but everyone crashes. They're cornered. Then Rao comes back around. He rescues them. And... Yeah, they're pretty much good to go. Fen Rao has some more emo chats with Sabine, and he's like, I will join you for realsies. The end. I like this episode. I'm glad that I ended up with some of the Mandalorian episodes, because I was jealous that you got this one. Yeah. Clan Vizsla is full of assholes. Like, Sabine mm-hmm. is 
part of Clan Vizsla, which I totally forgot about until we watched last season and this season of this show. Gar Saxon's part of Clan Vizsla. There are just lots of assholes in Clan Vizsla. Yeah, I don't think anything really like Ahsoka worthy in this. So There's good Mandalorian stuff and there's good Sabine background, I think. And there's a couple episodes I have where it's the same thing where I'm just like, I'm not sure what's relevant here, but it's really good background to have on Sabine. Yeah. All right. So I have episode 10. We're jumping ahead from 7 to 10. It's called An Inside Man. So Kanan and Ezra are on Lothal with Chopper and Ryder Azadi. There's a pew-pew chase and Imperial speeder bikes explode at a certain speed, which is not supposed to happen. But the Lothal rebels have like an insider person at the speeder factory who's like sabotaging shit. So yay for them. Also, there's a new fulcrum, which is exciting. Not Ahsoka because she's dead or gone or in wherever. She's not part of this anymore. But there's some named Fulcrum sending them shit. So the new Fulcrum tells the rebels that the Empire is building a new weapon on Lothal, but we don't know. We don't know who Fulcrum is yet. We don't know what the new weapon is yet. Thrawn decides to go to Lothal because he needs to investigate these shitty speeder bikes. And this is another sort of probably important Thrawn moment because we kind of we witness his cruelty in this episode. He makes Ezra's old friend, like this nice old man, get on a bike to test it like knowing that it's going to blow up, like he makes him get on it on purpose to blow it up. And even Callus, like like this moment goes down, even Callus is like, holy shit, like that was really violent and messed up, dude. So brutal. Yeah, it's it is. And Thrawn tells Callus that the factory is making a new fighter. And when Callus questions the significance of the this new small fighter, Thrawn tells Callus that victory and defeat are often determined by small details. So another little insight into Thrawn. So Kanan and Ezra dress as stormtroopers. They steal a data card from a droid and they give it to Chopper, who downloads a bunch of intel on these new fighters. We cut to Thrawn's office. We see Hera's family portrait from an earlier episode that um, Alice just recapped. We see some of Sabine's artwork. We see, like, wolf art because Dave Filoni. And we see some artwork that matches the cave paintings that we see in season four of this show, which is really interesting. So Thrawn examines the art and he determines that the rebels have an attachment to Lothal and that they will always come back here. Also, fun thing I noted that behind Thrawn, there's an image from the Mandalorian Jedi War that's like in the style of Picasso. It's You can see it hanging on a wall somewhere in season two of the Clone Wars. And for some reason that ends up in his office. I don't know. Huh. It's just fucking cool. I saw it and I was just like, what's that? And so I did like a Google image search and had to find it. Nice. Anyway, Callus traps Ezra and Kanan, who are dressed as stormtroopers. Um, they get trapped in an elevator with him. And he reveals to them that he is Fulcrum. And he gives them the, like, secret code, and he says that he's the one who saved Sabine at the Fighter Academy a few episodes ago that we didn't watch, and he's going to save them now. So Ezra and Kanan end up in a little scout walker at some point to try and escape, but Thrawn figures it out. <laughs> he figures it out, and he has all of the Imperials attack their walker, and some chaos ensues, but blah blah blah, they escape. So Sabine decrypts the data that Chopper stole. They find all the plans for the TIE Defenders, which have shields. And this is a new feature for TIE Fighters, uh, which did not previously have shields. So everyone learns that Callus is Fulcrum, and Zeb admits that he must have accidentally recruited Callus. Harrow like, wants to be cautious until they're sure that they can trust him. And so Thrawn tells Price and Callus that the Rebels had help from a mole in the Empire, it's not clear at this point if he knows for sure that it's Callus, but that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Like, Callus is in the rooms, and it's, yeah, you can kind of, it's kind of what I got. 
So that's it for that that episode. What it has to do with Ahsoka, it's a really good get to know you for Thrawn and his tactics. Um, and I really hope we get more of him analyzing artwork, whether it's Sabine's or otherwise, in live action. Because it's just kind of a really cool character trait he has in a really cool way for him to actually like learn the tactics of his enemies. We also got to learn about Kallus' journey. Because again, at this point, I'm 100% convinced that he's going to show up in Ahsoka. Don't know for sure. I hope so. I'm so sure he has to, right? Like, come on. I really hope so. And I also want a Thrawn art gallery. Yes, right? They fly off with his Star Destroyer. Like, hopefully he had some cool shit on there, right? He would have hoarded some stuff. I don't know. Who knows, man? All right. So episode 11 is called Visions and Voices. So in this episode, Hera is giving a mission briefing at Chopper Base, which is on a planet called Adalon. And she puts Ezra in charge, but he's like hearing Maul's voice in his head while this mission briefing is happening. And as you can imagine, that is distracting. So he hallucinates Maul too and he like full on just passes out in the middle of this briefing and later in the episode he attacks a random rebel on the base because he hallucinates that this rebel is Maul it's like messed up so Kanan is concerned and he secretly puts a tracker on Ezra's like wrist comm and the two of them go to see Bendu to tell him what's going on because Bendu is apparently their force therapist now and Bendu is like what the fuck do you want Ezra's like, I want to stop seeing Maul. This is really annoying. And Bendu's like, well, then don't turn around then. Naturally, they both turn around and Maul is there. Maul's like, put your sabers down. I just want to talk. And a few episodes ago, they like combined the holocrons as Alice went over and Maul has some info that they want. They have some info that Maul wants. He's like, can we come together and share information? Ezra's like, sure. So he leaves the base with Maul so he can, like, fuck around and find out. And Kanan goes back to Chopper Base and he and Sabine take the Phantom and follow Ezra and Maul. You'll find out shortly why Sabine got shoehorned into this mission. She didn't ask to be here, but she does have to go. We'll find out why momentarily. Maul and Ezra go to Dathomir, so the two of them follow. Maul tells Ezra that he's the only survivor of the planet, which I don't think is true, but okay. Um, He takes him there so he can go into a cave and perform some, like, ancient magic and merge their minds and get the answers that they each want. And fun fact, Maul has, like, a little horde of just random shit in this cave including a Picasso style artwork of Satine Duchess Satine and he's got the dark saber like on a little shrine in front of her it like looks like a shrine it's fucking weird yeah it's like from a B level horror movie yes when someone has a little closet of curiosities yeah it's like Helga in Hey Arnold where she has the like shrine to Arnold like oh with the bubble gum yes yeah <laughs> Um, so there are Maul has like candles lit and everything like it's crazy but it's also like is Maul moody and sexy is this like what his whole vibe is he just he's like I've got my horde of shit in my candles and it's all moody and stuff it's it's just fucking weird but it's cool so he makes the magic cocktail which isn't suspicious at all and he gives it to Ezra and him and Ezra waterfall their potions and their eyes turn green and there's green smoke coming out of their eyeballs and it's weird This is why you don't take drinks from strangers, you guys. They both get the answer that they want as their minds merge or whatever. And the shared answer is essentially Obi-Wan Kenobi on a planet with twin sons. It's like playing a game of Clue. So, (laughs) whoopsies, they awaken some Night Sister spirits 
by using this magic, and now the Night Sister spirits want payment in the form of flesh. And that's when Kanan and Sabine run into the cave to save the day, but whoopsies, they both get possessed by the Night Sister spirits, and now Ezra and Maul have to fight them. So Ezra and Maul run outside of the cave, and Sabine and Kanan cannot leave the cave because of the Night Sister magic. The like source of their power is the cave, so they can't leave. And Maul's like, "Fuck them, rebels! Come with me to Tatooine. We can be bros. You can be my apprentice." And Ezra's like, no thanks. So Maul just bails. He's like going to go to Tatooine himself. And Ezra goes back into the cave to try and make Sabine and Kanan leave so that they can like be free of the possession. But possessed Sabine at one point like crawls on the wall like a spider. It's like straight out of a horror movie. It's so freaky, but it's also like kind of cool. Also, at some point, she just like picks up the Darksaber. So she and Ezra duel. And he eventually like uses the force to kind of like distance himself from her and like push her out of the cave against her will. But Kanan, when he goes back in, is like just sitting on this like smoky green altar and he gets up still possessed. He duels Ezra. Ezra like yells at the spirit in Kanan saying that he's like, I'm the one that you want. Please let Kanan go. And for some reason, the spirit like listens and does this. So Ezra takes Kanan's saber and Kanan's like, peace, I'm going to leave the cave. And Ezra stabs the sabers into the altar and the spirits disappear. Good thinking, Ezra. Very strategic. On their way out of the cave, Sabine picks up the Darksaber from the ground, and the three of them leave Dathomir. So, that's kind of fun. That's why we had to bring her, because we had to have somebody grab the Darksaber and recognize it for what it was. Yeah. I keep forgetting it's gone. I know, right? Isn't it weird? It is, because it's been such a big part of so many things. It has. I guess I actually don't often forget that it's gone, because there's a tattoo I want to get, kind of, that has the busted Darksaber included in it. So I kind of hope it stays gone, otherwise that tattoo's going to be weird. Anyway, anything related to the Ahsoka series, Hera shifts seamlessly from general mode to mom mode and back. It happens in the blink of an eye, and it's really cool, and it's done really well in the show. I hope that translates to live action and i also really want to see some night sister magic man like dave filoni loves weird force stuff and you just know he's gonna jump at every opportunity to use every variety of weird force stuff he can think of so i'm like really hoping it shows up in here also this is the dark saber's first re-entry on screen to star wars storytelling since the clone wars i think yeah and sabine just grabs it off of Maul's shrine. She does not win it in combat. And this got me thinking that if Maul is the rightful ruler or the rightful holder of the Darksaber and the person who defeats him is supposed to be the rightful owner of the Darksaber, technically Kenobi should be the ruler of Mandalore. Ah. Which is kind of fun. Well, then then Vader should be the ruler of Mandalore. Yeah. And then it should be... Luke. No. Palpatine. Palpatine. Yeah. But then it would be Vader again. Then it would be Vader again. And so who? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Does it pass to Luke? Is it up for grabsies? I don't know. At that point, I think since Vader dies, then I think it's just up for grabsies again. So I don't think that. I don't know. Hmm. Or does. No, at that point. Oh, yeah. Because then at that point. Bo-Katan's running around with it. Anyway, um, mm. let me see if there's any other notes I had out here. I wonder if we'll revisit Adelon again in the Ahsoka show because that's kind of where Bendu is, but maybe Bendu can move around. I don't know. There is a drawing that Dave Filoni did of Ahsoka and the Bendu talking. The drawing he did includes dialogue, like a conversation. He kind of refers to it as like a deleted scene from Rebels. So mm. the voice actor that voices 
the Bendu is named Tom Baker. I think he's known for playing one of the Doctor Who guys. He's 89 years old now, but allegedly he's still working, according to his IMDb. So maybe he could be included in this. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Picking up with episodes 12 and 13, another two-parter. This, I'm trying to think about why it's important. Maybe I'll remember <laughs> once I read through my notes. <laughs> Episode 12, The Ghosts of Geonosis, Part 1. It is secret mission time, courtesy of Bail Orgata. He's all like, yo, people are missing. Saw Guerrera, like, there was some energy source or something on Geonosis, and he and a bunch of people went, and we haven't heard from them. Uh-oh. So Ghost Crew's like, sure, yeah, let's go there. They do. They land. Rex, Chopper, Ezra, Kanan walk into the temple. Zeb, Sabine, Hera all just hang out on the ghost. Like, hmm, guess we'll wait in case we need a quick escape. Rex, kind of the the land crew, I'll say, they go into some tunnels. I will say, I'm still not very far along in Rise of the Red Blade, but Geonosis hits a little different now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Being back there. Yeah. The ground crew finds a whole bunch of helmets, and they're like, ooh, these helmets don't have heads. That's not good. This is from Saw's team. That's really not good. So they're like, ah, yes, let's keep walking deeper into the tunnels. That's a good idea. And (laughs) Clankers show up. Roger, Roger. And then the Destroyers, Roly Poly, show up. Oh, no. I love to see them, but I also hate them because they're very scary. Yeah. So there's lots of pew pew. And then there's like kind of an assist. And they're like, oh, no. Like, who's helping us? It's Saw. He's alive little reunion with rex you know because they met each other before um and we already get like saw being a little nutty yeah he's you know, like he's losing it for sure yeah he's been booped on the head a few times too many oh. uh we flash back to sabine and zeb and they're kind of looking for the energy source walking on the sand and they find giant shield generator old school clone wars era but it's still working so they're like all right let's take out this core we'll bring it to chopper base to like protect us this will be great so they get to work back to the tunnels we get a little more expo on the shield generator and saw's telling them because he's been there for who knows how long and they just start asking all these questions who is repairing these droids who is keeping the shield generator operational i don't know question 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 So they decide, let's walk more in the tunnels. And their mission is find the bug. I don't know how they knew one Geonosian was left, but okay. Um, (laughs) Didn't put it in my notes. It's Uh, fine. (laughs) Yep. So back to Sabine and Zeb. They realize they are in a minefield of the roly-poly destroyers. And they're like, oh, shit. Hera's like, yo, get out of there. Leave the core. They said, nah, we'll just take our time and, you know, walk around them. Because when we came here, we didn't hit any of them. So this will be cool. But they're not really taking their time at all. They're moving pretty fast. So I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. Then we see our lonely Genosian and he presses a button and they all get activated. So the tunnel crew is like, oh, no, we need to catch him so we can press the button to turn it off. Ah, So Sabine and Zeb are, like, figuring out how to not die, essentially. And they're like, wait, we can make a baby shield with this core. Because Sabine's really good at technology and stuff. So they do, and they have a little bit of protection. Tunnel crew's chasing the bug. 
Rex name drops Skywalker. I just love a good Skywalker name drop. Sure. They catch the bug, destroy the little button thing to turn off the destroyers and the Genosian. He is sad and cries. And that's it. He's a real pathetic Geonosian. He's real sad. He's lonely. Yeah, poor guy. Hmm. I don't think there's anything Ahsoka-worthy here. Yeah, I literally wrote my notes. I'm like, I can't imagine how this is going to be relevant to Ahsoka since the Geonosians are probably all gone or close to it and Sal is dead as fuck. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to episode 13, The Ghosts of Geonosis, part two. You guessed it. <laughs> We're picking up. Sad Bug is scared. He does have a kind face. And they're like, tell us what happened here. Uh, and he obviously can't speak English and doesn't have a translator. So he's playing Pictionary games. And he starts drawing circles and a circle within a circle. And they're guessing. It's clearly the Death Star. Yeah. But they don't understand that. Yeah. I don't remember what it is they think. But okay. Uh-oh. Guess what? The Empire's been tracking stuff on the planet they have like life sensors and they're like "Ooh, look at all this life that showed up on the on the sensors um we better show up there so they do ezra is trying to talk to the genosian and he's like oh i'm just gonna call you click clack because that's how genosians talk and that's pretty much all it can say so therefore he has been named click clack everyone goes to his workshop saul's being a dick and he's like, oh, he's trying to hurt us, like guns, da 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 We find out that Click Clack was defending a queen Genosian egg so they don't go extinct. Yeah, he's trying. He's doing his part. I know. Saw still being an asshole. They're like, okay, we're going to bring Click Clack back to Chopper Base and then bring him back to Genosis after we've interrogated him and stuff. Empire shows up. They've got some Thai bombers, pew pew, and their spaceships. And yeah, so the ghost crew has to kind of like escape. There's more walking in tunnels. All aboard. <laughs> oh, okay. So the ghost has gone down to go collect them into the tunnels. So everyone's back together and they're trying to figure out what to do about Click Clack because he didn't want to get on the ship. And Saul's being an asshole and he's like, you're going to come with us and we're going to keep you. And, you know, I'm going to shoot the egg and kill it dead. And he keeps zapping, like, electrocuting Click Clack, and he's being all nutty and stupid, and he's like, yo, give me a ship, and I'm going to take the bug. Uh. Everyone shames him, but then the Empire is right above them, so they don't have time to shame him for too long. We get some rocket troopers incoming. We get some more pew-pew. Uh, Sabine leaves the ship with her jetpack, and she fights, and she kicks ass, and seeing her fight in live action is going to be amazing. Yeah, it is amazing so then ghost crew they're like flying down the tunnels some more and they find all these big vats of poison so they're like "Ooh, this is proof of the empire being bad we can give this to the imperial senate so they're trying to drag him out there meanwhile after like two seconds of shaming Saul changed his tune he has a big emo moment and he lets click clack run free the end almost So the ghost crew's like, ah, how do we like fly out of this tunnel? Because there is a giant like Star Destroyer above us. Ah, yay, we have proton torpedoes. Huzzah. And they do a really cool maneuver where they shoot the torpedoes and then, or Imperial Cruiser, whatever, they shoot the torpedoes. It breaks the cruiser in half and they fly through the middle. Cool. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, they lost the canisters, but still success because they got Saw, they got the shield generator core, and they gave Click Clack and the Geonosians a chance. Yeah, this was a really interesting episode. I remember when it came out because everybody was just like trying to analyze Saw and he, everyone was like, okay, so he like still has all of his limbs. Like something happens between now and A New Hope. Where he like loses, but yeah, he's he's definitely losing his mind a little bit. He's not totally gone yet, but he's he's pretty far gone down the the paranoia hole. Yeah, so I don't think anything Ahsoka worthy in this. So yeah, an interesting one to include in this. I it is it must be sort of relevant in the sense that like in the finale of the season, they're using I think that core from that they stole to power the mm-hmm. shield, but that's kind of the only relevance at least as far as this goes, so I don't know. Episode 14 must be a skipper, because we jumped to episode 15, which is Trials of the Dark Saber. Alright, this is also kind of a two-parter and everything but name, because the second one's extremely related. Um, just kind of picks off where this one left- leaves off, but episode 15 begins. A uh, nice little Mandalorian arc of episodes. Kanan shows Fen Rao the Darksaber. He identifies it as the symbol of the leader of House Vizsla and later Death Watch. Um, so we get a little bit of background on the Darksaber here from Fen Rao, who tells Kanan that ta- about Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian Jedi. The Jedi like kept the saber at the temple after Tar Vizsla died, but then House Vizsla broke in and stole it, and they ruled Mandalore with it. And Rao thinks that Sabine would be, like, pumped, like, super excited to find this saber, but she's not. Um, She just gave it to Kanan to keep safe, and Rao tells Kanan that if Sabine can wield it, she can reunite House Vizsla and lead a whole army of Mandalorians. And Sabine says that the saber has just caused nothing but trouble. She wants nothing to do with it. So um, at one point, Ezra, like, starts talking shit, saying that, like, took him forever to learn how to fight with saber, so it's not like she knows how to fight with it anyway. And in the background, like, as he's saying this, you can see Hera, like, shaking her head, like, Jesus Christ, this idiot. Because he's saying all this in front of Sabine, who is a Mandalorian. She can fight with any weapon. So, like, shut the fuck up, Ezra. Sabine argues that she's not popular with her family. She can't rally in anyone. She can't reunite House Viz. Like, that's just not going to happen. And Hera tells her that if there's a chance that she can rally an army of Mandalorians to help fight the Empire, she has to ask her to do it, which is fair. So Kanan tells her that she's going to be challenged for the Darksaber when people find out that she's got it. So she really does need to learn how to use it at the very least. So they decide to drive out to the middle of nowhere on Adalon and practice. And Ezra goes along, he watches Sabine and Kanan fight with their with training sabers, with just these, like, sticks. And Sabine sucks against Kanan, so if if this is any indication as to how her training with Ahsoka goes, like, it's gonna be ugly. She doesn't have a good attitude about it at all. Um, a few days later, she, she's got all the, like, forms, like, the saber forms down. But Kanan says that, like, her mind is blocked, and she's conflicted, and she she just can't, like find balance in herself so this whole training thing is just not going well and some i don't know I, there is a typo in my notes i don't know what the fuck i was trying to say here oh convores i was like some converse watch esra and sabine train no convores <laughs> um are watching but it's not clear if one of them is morai or not you just like see three of them sort of watching over a cliff it's just kind of a random little detail that i'm like why mm-hmm. would you include that if one of them isn't more i don't know 
So, Fen Rao brings them some supplies during their training, and he watches them for a little bit, watches Ezra and Sabine train, and he gives her some extra weapons that are designed specifically to fight Jedi. So she puts them on, she uses them in a duel against Ezra and defeats him, and she's just being, like, a little shit and, like, being all, you know, braggy about how she just won their little fight. And then while she's, like, arguing with Kanan, she uses the, like, Mandalorian, one of these new weapons that Rao gave her, which is, like, a whip, and, like, basically uses it on Kanan to, like, trap his arms against his body. And Kanan tells her that the Jedi won the war against Mandalore. Those tricks will help you, but you can't rely on them. Only training and discipline are going to keep you alive. And she yells at Kanan that he's a shitty teacher, and she storms off. Oh. And Ezra tries to talk to Sabine, but she's just she just gets upset, saying she doesn't want to talk about anything. She doesn't want to talk about her family and like how is she supposed to lead these people? Like she can't, there's just no way that she's going to accomplish anything with this. Later, Kanan is talking to Hera and he's like complaining about how training is going really badly and Sabine won't find balance within herself. So wielding a real lightsaber is too dangerous. He's worried that she's going to hurt herself. Hera's like, just give her the real saber. Like, stop with this training saber nonsense. This is stupid. She tells him that he needs to help Sabine face her demons. And basically Hera like, she knows what it's like when the people you love don't believe in you. And so she's like really trying to like relate this back to Sabine and push Kanan to like train her a little bit harder and let her use the actual saber instead of the dumb wooden sticks. Sabine goes for a walk to cool off, clears her head. She comes back. Her and Kanan both apologize to each other and he gives her the actual dark saber. So she ignites it. She makes a comment about how it's heavy And he explains to her that her thoughts, actions, and energy flow through the crystal and become part of the blade. So really what she's doing when she's using it is directing a current of power. And they duel. Uh, He tells her that she needs to respect the Darksaber's strength. And he directs her to block high, block low, block middle. They go through like a series of of moves. And as they go, the blade gets lighter. Kanan tells her that she can't rely solely on the blade. She needs to use all her skills. So she uses her whip at one point to retrieve the blade after he knocks it out of her hands. Uh, I think we see Bo do the same thing in The Mandalorian Season 3. It's just kind of a cool move. And Kanan tells her that she's not fighting him. She's fighting herself and losing. She's not committed. She finally says it out loud that she left and ran away to save her family. She built terrible weapons and the Empire used them against her family and friends. And she helped enslave her own people. Um, And she just feels really guilty about it. So when she finally spoke out about this and tried to save her friends and family, her family did not stand with her. They chose the Empire and left her. So she's just been carrying around this guilt and this hurt. And that's part of what is sort of setting her back in this setting. Kanan tells her that her family is in a prison of their own making and she needs to help them. And she asks him again, why would they follow me? And Rao, who has just been listening in on this whole thing, responds and says that he will follow her. And he actually kneels before her and Kanan and Ezra do the same thing. So it's kind of a cool moment, a real cool way to like resolve some of this, even though it's not fully resolved yet, but to resolve some of like Sabine's background this really is like an essential episode you kind of need this episode i think to have this background on sabine it's a really moving good piece of star wars media and i'm guessing that when we learn about like went down between ahsoka and sabine that there's going to be some echoes and references to this episode and this training sequence with kanan so i'm really glad that i sat and rewatched it i highly recommend a, a rewatch that being said i think a big part of what made Sabine a shitty student was that she had all this baggage she was carrying around and that all kind of gets resolved by the end of 
Rebels by the end of the show. So I'll kind of be curious to see what exactly is making her a shitty student with Ahsoka. Because, like, besides, like, her own stubbornness and, like, her own Mandalorian typical, like, pig-headedness, it'll just be really interesting, I think, to see where we pick up with Sabine in this sort of training that she's going through with Ahsoka. Wouldn't it be funny if there were there's like background music in Ahsoka when she's fighting and stuff that it was just let it go from Frozen, but like a weird <laughs> Star Wars version. Ten out of ten <laughs> would would listen. The kinders yeah. would be like, yeah, if that's what you want us to do, we'll do that. Fuck yeah. Uh, so we'll see what she retains from these lessons all those years later um, and how she'll be using all of her skills, including like fighting with Ezra's lightsaber, like we see in the Ahsoka preview. Be really interesting. I'm excited. So the next episode picks up where this one leaves off. It's called Legacy of Mandalore. And Fen Rao, Kanan, Ezra, Sabine, uh, they all head to Cronest, which is where her family's from. I think it's a moon of Mandalore or something. I don't know. doesn't matter. Rao says that Ursa Wren, Sabine's mom, is the leader of Clan Wren. And she's with the Empire, but he thinks that her true loyalty is really with Mandalore. And a bunch of Imperial Mandos, like, intercept the Phantom. They're, like, on jetpacks. And they kind of like fly alongside them as it goes to land, but they end up shooting it down because they're like pissed at Sabine. So the Phantom crash lands and it turns out that one of the Imperial Mandos that shot them down is Sabine's brother, Tristan. So as a group, they all head to the Wren house, which is like really fucking cool looking and on a lake. It's like a samurai palace. It's real fancy. It's cool. Sabine's mother, who is the Countess Ursa Wren, Orders them to throw Sabine into a jail cell, but Sabine is like, not so fast, check this shit out, and she holds up the Darksaber. Ursa argues that the saber is just a symbol, and she tells Sabine that her dad is basically being held captive on Mandalore, and if they try to stand up to the Empire, the Empire will kill him. So Ursa tells her that she has no claim to the saber if she didn't win it in combat against Maul. And Sabine is like, well, I'm holding it, aren't I? And that's the end of that argument it that's just where it ends it doesn't go anywhere else (laughs) the mother run is such a badass yeah she's fucking cool yeah i wish i were as cool as she is also the brother's kind of hot he's like tall yeah all right sabine asks ursa to join the rebels in the fight against the empire and she hands her the dark saber and then ursa gets a call so sabine and and tristan her brother they go to like a different room to go spar And Ursa's calls actually with Gar Saxon, and she's going to give the Jedi over to Gar Saxon, but she wants, she's like, leave Sabine, take the Jedi, like, I I don't need them here. She also took their sabers when they arrived at the house or whatever. Tristan and Sabine are sparring, and he tells her that when she left, the other clans turned their back on them, and he's fighting to restore their family's name and honor, and he's also kind of whining like a bitch when... Sabine uh, when they're sparring and then all of a sudden they stop because Sabine hears the Empire roll up. So Ursa holds the Jedi at gunpoint. Gar Saxon arrives. She gives him the Darksaber and she tells Gar Saxon to take the Jedi, leave Sabine, get the fuck out of my house. And a bunch of pew pew starts 
Because then Rao, Fen Rao busts in and he gives the Jedi their lightsabers back because he snuck into the house and stole them. And at one point in the firefight, Ezra throws his saber to Sabine, who uses it to defend her mother when Gar Saxon goes to strike Ursa with the darksaber. So Gar Saxon pushes Sabine out of a glass window during the fight onto the frozen lake. And then they have a mass, they have this big duel on the frozen lake. And Ezra wants to go help, but Ursa stops him, saying that it's Mandalorian custom that no one interfere. And Kanan's like, are you fucking joking? Like, are your customs more important than your daughter's life? Like, is this, this is how you, this is how you function? Is this side? Cool. All right. Gar Saxon and Sabine duel, and eventually Sabine wins, and she wins the saber, and she's now got, like, both sabers, and she's got Gar Saxon down on his knees, and he tells her that he won't yield, and that she'll have to kill him, and she refuses, and walks away, and he aims his blaster at her back, and b- before he can fire, Ursa shoots him and kills him. So Fen Rao is like, yo, that was cool. But when all the Mandalorians find out that Gar Saxon is dead, like shit is going to become chaos. And Ursa says that maybe they need chaos so they can find a leader worthy to lead Mandalore. And as they're packing up to leave, Sabine tells Kanan and Ezra that she's not going with them because she can do more good on Cronist. And Sabine hugs Kanan. She thanks them both. And they leave. Remember when we all thought Sabine was leaving Rebels for good? (laughs) That was a weird time. I never thought that because I didn't start watching it live until season four. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I remember that was like, the internet was like fucking devastated. Star Wars Twitter was like, no, what happened? Uh, By the way, Rao tells Sabine that she could lead Mandalore, but she says no, that all this shit with her in her, the Darksaber and all the stuff, like this is about her family. She's like, I am not the right person to lead, but I will find the person who is. So this storyline picks up in season four of this show. Mm -hmm. We kind of leave it here in in season three. But in terms of Ahsoka tie-ins, again, an essential background on Sabine episode. It's also good background for the Mandalorian in general, um, particularly season three, where the Darksaber comes into play quite a bit. Um, It's just good Mandalorian history in general. Um, I'm wondering if Ursa, Ren, or Tristan, or Sabine's father will show up in the Ahsoka series, because it kind of seems crazy that, number one, she would never see them. Number two, that she would never leave Lothal in all those years in between, like, when we leave Star Wars Rebels Season 4 and when we pick up with the Ahsoka show. Like, you'd think that she'd say goodbye, at least, to them before she heads off on this big mission with Ahsoka. I mean, Mandalore was bombed between the show and True, but they're on, they're on Cronest, so maybe, like, some of them stayed behind, survived? I mean, her father is not a warrior. Like, I don't know if there's any reason he would have been on Mandalore at that time if he's just, like, into his art and shit. So, I don't know. Hmm. It'll be interesting, because, um, yeah, Ursa and Tristan are warriors so it is sort of seems likely that they would have fought in the purge at some point so will they have survived big question we shall see or not yeah yeah speaking of seeing episode 17 through imperial eyes i love this episode yay that was a perfect segue too well done thank you so it starts off and we're kind of in like a weird first person shooter mode Mm -hmm. like we are looking through the eyes it's clearly like waking up sleepy eyes alarms are blaring look in the mirror we are in callus's head for 
five seconds. Yep. It turns out a tractor beam picked up a LaFal shuttle and Callus is heading up the boarding party for it. Guess who? It's Ezra, Chopper, and AP5, who I just think is the funniest little thing. He's the best. He better have survived to the Ahsoka series so we can see him. Yeah. So uh, Ezra is like side talking to Callus. He's there to save him because they're pretty sure the Empire was monitoring his last Fulcrum transmission and knows who he is. So they're like, yo, got to get you out of there and then Thrawn shows up and he wants everyone to visit him on his party barge so Ezra Callus, the droids everything meanwhile Kanan and Rex are traveling to like kind of be the extraction team so their extraction Ezra and the droids are distraction just made that up <laughs> well done thank you uh Chopper's like yo we're all at Thrawn's place now change of plan whoopsie so they're like oh damn it this is gonna be harder which like duh it is harder when they have to go on Thrawn's ship yeah so Callus has his little imperial buddy with him and they're both going to Thrawn's suite and they watch Thrawn in his like little fighting room with some enforcer droids or something, um, just fighting them for fun, for exercise, to solve boredom. I don't know. And then they all go into the dark room. Thrawn knows about Fulcrum and everyone gets kind of interviewed. Thrawn's narrowing down the rebel base planet. So he's got like a star map showing up and he's like, it's one of these. I've triangulated the math and circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Callus in his head is like, ooh, okay, I need to get people off my back. I need to put the blame on someone else. So he's there with his little sidekick dude, and he's like, ooh, you know, I heard that we think Price is the spy. You should follow her, but don't get caught. And he's doing all sorts of sneaky stuff. He, like, switches out his code cylinders. Um you know, so his motion can't be tracked as easily. And Callus is like, okay, I'm going to go save Ezra and the droids. And he's like, yo, I need to know where the base is so I can go erase it from Thrawn's like star map list. And Ezra's like, oh, dude. anyway, they sneak back into Thrawn's <laughs> office and they, and they're like, they're like, okay, Chopper, listen, like remove the real one and put a decoy so then we can fuse everyone. But I'm like, isn't there versioning? Like, wouldn't it look weird to have version one and version two and be like, oh, that's different. Weird. Yeah. I don't know, man. Mm. They weren't thinking of that. Yeah. Uh, So they're in the office and Thrawn shows up back in his office. Ezra's like, oh, no. And he hides behind a rock. Smooth move. Yep. Callus did a smart thing, and he's activating those Enforcer assassin droids, whatever, uh, to distract Thrawn so they can all escape. It works. Kanan and Rex show up in front of a ton of Star Destroyers. They land on the party barge dressed like stormtroopers. Price knows they're rebels because she's hanging out, so fighting ensues. Pew, pew. Let's see. Callus's sidekick, like is convinced that Price is the spy. Callus is a spy, but everyone's confused. Callus blames the sidekick on being Fulcrum, punches him in the face, and they're like, come on, get on the thing. And Callus is like, no, nah, stick around. Um, we do, in fact, know that Thrawn knows Callus is Fulcrum at this point. Yeah. The reason being, Callus did not mention the prisoner was Ezra, and he definitely would have recognized him. So he was kind of doing a cover up. Mm, gotcha. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little sidekick is Lieutenant List, um, who at one point Ezra is disguised as List in this episode, which they kind of look alike. It's sort of, it works really well, but roughly the same uh, height build overall look yeah he pins it all on list that he's the imperial spy and he thinks that he's in the clear and he's like i can do more good here on this stupid star destroyer hanging out with thrawn i'd be like dude get me the fuck out of here i'd be terrified yeah Callus has got some balls i love him so much i didn't realize i missed him until i watched the show again i know me too so i don't think there's anything like special that could be ahsoka easter egg here that we haven't already mentioned all good yeah then we hop into skip a few episode 20 twin sons a major episode um that has one of the most anticlimactic lightsaber fights known to star wars i'm pretty sure okay that's that's your opinion i like this episode and i like that fight a lot but i I totally get where you're coming from (laughs) so we have maul on tatooine he's just rambling to himself in the desert walking walking he's all nutty he's yelling kenobi and he's got a tiny floaty triangle in his hand that i'm guessing is like a holocron corner mm-hmm. or something back to chopper base ezra keeps hearing the kenobi message from the jedi holocron it's all wonky it's all screwed up it's transmitting things for some reason and uh the sith holocron or pieces from it have maul voice and yells kenobi some more so maul loves a good kenobi um ezra knows tatooine's the place because earlier they had their little mind meld time in front of the bendu Mm -hmm. let's see ezra steals a ship and pieces out with chopper um they get to tatooine and he's like looking at the little triangles in his hand and they're kind of lighting up and telling him which way to go. Uh, Ezra lands. It's a trap. Sand people attack him. Ship goes kaboom. Maul is like, okay, thanks for the memories and kills all the sand people. <laughs> God. Brutal. Very brutal. Uh, Ezra and Chopper are forced to roam the desert. Ezra still has Maul voice taunting him and he has hallucinations and shit. And then Chopper's battery dies. Sad. Aww. Ezra passes out. He wakes up by a campfire, and Chopper is also awake. It's Old Bay, and he also knows Ezra's name, which is pretty wild. Maybe Chopper told him. Yeah. And he already knows about Maul. How? I don't know. So they have a little chit-chat, and Maul and Ezra being foolish. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Bay is kind of lame in this. And then Maul shows up, and Bay is like, all right, I got this. Boy, bye to Ezra. Um, so Ezra kind of dips out. Now it's fight time. We have more Maul rambling, like, blah, blah, blah. Who are you protecting? It is a three fight moves in this little battle. Maul's down and Maul asks if, you know, the who is the chosen one. And Bay says, yes. Maul says he will avenge us and then dies. Mm-hmm. Ezra goes back to chopper base and he apologizes for stealing a ship and being an asshole. Uh, we get a little scene of Bay kind of spying on Luke doing the beard rub. The end. I fucking love this episode so much. Yeah, it's a good episode. It's just the whole lightsaber fight's only three moves. It's really cute. There's like so many cute moments with Chopper where he like really does not want to go with Ezra out onto the Dune Sea. And he like hesitates and he's like, oh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And then he like sighs and basically follows him and yeah. doesn't abandon him. And it's really cute. One of my favorite parts of this episode is when... Ezra hears, like, wakes up in the middle of the night. It's clearly the middle of the night because, like, Zeb is dead asleep. Ezra's in pajamas. He hears the holocron going off in Kanan's room. 
goes into Kanan's room, which is empty. Kanan is not in there. <laughs> like, it just would have oh. been hilarious if Ezra had, like, walked in and then, like, looked around and, like, Kanan's standing there, like, all disheveled. Like, he'd gotten dressed really quickly. He's like, I, I was uh-huh. I was sleeping in here. I wasn't anywhere else. Like, this is... Yeah. It's just a really weird-shaped body pillow under those sheets. <laughs> Oh, it's just great. Um, Also, there's a line in here where Kenobi tells Ezra to ride north. That is your way out, your way home. And it's just one of those things that's like, they kind of both pause. And like, it just feels like it's a very purposeful, pointed line. And I I almost wonder if like that line's going to come back in the Ahsoka series or something. Because the whole thing is like, we need to find, we need to get Ezra home. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it was interesting. With the hmm. context of, of how this show ends, to go back and watch this. As far as Ahsoka stuff, um, I don't think there's anything. I think it's just an important get to know Ezra and learn what happened to Maul episode. So I don't think there's anything very uh, Easter egg specific that, again, we haven't already talked about, like holocrons. Good point. Really good one, though. This is another one I wouldn't skip. If I was doing a rewatch, because it's so good. Mm-hmm. All right. So episode 21. We're in the final stretch, you guys. This is episode, um, this is the first part of our season finale of season three. It's called Zero Hour Part One. So Thrawn arrives on Lothal and tells Tarkin and Price that Phoenix Squadron is going to attack the pi- the Empire's TIE Defender Factory on Lothal, knowing that Callus is listening in to this conversation. And Thrawn is like, Dodonna's fleet is on the way to reinforce them. It's going to be huge. I'm going to destroy all of them. It's going to be bloody as fuck. And Tarkin's like, I want the leadership captured. And Thrawn's like, I don't want to. And Tarkin's like, bitch, we all know how good you are at this. Like, capture them so I can make examples out of them. And Thrawn is like, word, I can do that. Um, and then on Chopper Base, Ezra and Kanan have a talk that feels an it feels awfully lot like a goodbye, which is definitely on purpose. They really wanted us to think that Kanan was gonna die in this one. Um, it's one of the yeah, one of the thousands of reasons we thought he was a goner. We kind I feel like when we were all watching this, like the first time through, it was like between him and Callus. Like, the two of them were in the Deadpool. Everyone thought that one of the two of them was going to die. Aww. Callus goes to Ezra's old tower slash, like, home on Lothal to send a fulcrum message to the rebels and to tell them that Thrawn knows the plan. But Thrawn, surprise, is there. And he's like, hey, I'm here. I knew you were a fulcrum all along, actually. And then they have some hand-to-hand. And it's really cool. It's actually a great fight. But Callus loses, ultimately, and is taken into custody. And Thrawn tracks the transmission that he was trying to send, which reveals where the hidden rebel base is. And this is the last piece of intel that Thrawn needed. So the rebels receive Callus's partial transmission. Ryder tells them that the Empire's forces are leaving Lothal. And Hera's like, shit, Thrawn knows where we are. Everybody get to your battle stations. We got to get the fuck out of here. And out of nowhere, five star destroyers roll up to Adelon and Odonna's like, oh shit, I don't like this. I'm not prepared for this. I'm out. We're all, we're, we're going to leave. Dodonna kind of sucks in this. Yeah. Hera starts evacuating the ground staff, but Commander Sato doesn't want to flee to hyperspace until everyone gets off of Adelon. And one of Dodonna's ships tries to leave to jump to hyperspace, but whoopsies, the Empire still has that gravity well projector technology. So it grabs the ship and it spits them back out at Adelon. So this is a bad situation. Nobody's going to be able to escape while that thing is operational. So Thrawn contacts the Rebel Command and he's like, you guys suck. You're outnumbered. Your little rebellion is over. And Hera's like, we don't suck. You suck. We're not surrendering to you. And Thrawn's like, that's (laughs) hilarious. I'm not accepting surrenders. 
I want you to know what defeat feels like knowing that I delivered it to you. Bye-bye. Hera has a plan that is basically just to get everyone to escape. They don't want to actually fight the Empire or fight Thrawn head-on because she knows that's going to be a losing battle. Also, they know that Thrawn thinks that this is the whole rebel fleet. So the rebels are going to like basically pull a fast one and mm-hmm. surprise him with reinforcements. So Commander Sato wants Hera to take the ghost to go get reinforcements. But she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And she orders Kanan and Ezra to go. And Kanan's like, I am not leaving you at all. And Hera's like, no, we don't have time to argue about this. Please get the fuck out. Kanan's like, okay, but I actually can't go with Ezra. I need to go warn our force therapist, Moose Guy, that this attack is coming. (laughs) And Hera's like, okay, I'm going to yes and this. And um, Ezra can just go get reinforcements himself. So bye, guys. And Thrawn calls Constantine. A reminder, Constantine sucks. He's an Imperial who's been around this whole season a little bit, but he doesn't matter because he's about to die anyway. Thrawn tells him to hold back his interdictor cruiser, which has that gravity wall projector. Hold back for now. And Constantine questions this, and Thrawn is like, I'm smarter than you. I've studied these rebels. Do what I say, you fucking idiot. And Callus starts to, like, taunt Thrawn, because for some reason... Thrawn brought Callus onto the bridge with him. <laughs> so Callus is just like, ooh, are you like fighting over glory with Constantine? Is this just like your little pissing contest? And Thrawn's like, I don't need glory, my man. I just need results from my emperor. That is my whole thing here. So pew, 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 giant space battle. Kanan goes to the Bendu. He says that the rebels need help. And the Bendu is like, I was leading a quiet life here, minding my own business, being the one in the middle and you and your war disrupted my peace. So fuck off. Pew, pew, pew. More space battle. All the rebel ships are like blowing up. This is not going well for the rebels. No. Ezra can't get an opening. He can't leave to go get reinforcements. So Sato sacrifices his ship and himself to get Ezra that opening. And Constantine takes advantage of the rebel carrier like starting to move and he goes after it and Thrawn is like dude get back in position but Constantine doesn't listen to him because he's an idiot so Sato's cruiser or his like carrier crashes into him and everybody like on both ships dies isn't it kind of like a lightsaber I mean a lightsaber isn't it kind of like a last Jedi jump to hyperspace blow it up thing I don't think so but maybe Maybe. I don't remember that. I just remember them crashing into each other, but I I feel like I remember being slow. Oh. I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, everybody on both ships dies, including Constantine. He's dead now. So is Sato. Everyone's sad. Uh, the rebels retreat to the surface of Adalon because this is just going really poorly. And Kanan begs the Bendu to help them fight and he calls him a coward for hiding and this pisses the bendu off um so he like whips up a storm and it's like getting all windy and lightning and shit and he tells kanan that it's probably the will of the force that all the jedi died and i serve the will of the force so like die mad bitch and the bendu disappears into like his own storm or whatever into the sky ezra gets to hyperspace he calls mon mothma on the way and he's like can you help us and she's like lol no i can't help you but i'll make sure that we negotiate for our treatment for your prisoners ezra's like you are useless and so he's like i'm gonna go get sabine so to be continued what this has to do with ahsoka thrawn is an asshole i forgot how much of an asshole thrawn is um reading the thrawn books the canon ones will where he's like the protagonist will do that to you you forget how much of a butthole he is the bendu is also an asshole but I hope he shows up in Ahsoka still. Lastly, bringing Thrawn and Hera into live action better mean that we get like a super epic Thrawn-Hera showdown because they are like 
enemies like smart like the, that shit's gonna be wild if they actually do get to like face off in battle at some point it's gonna be great for sure all right that's all on, on part one zero hour part two our season finale of season three of Star Wars Rebels. Thrawn is going to execute an orbital bombardment on the rebel base. So the rebels have to like fire up this giant shield that Sabine built to um, protect themselves. And the Imperial fleet starts to fire on the shield, but the shield actually holds. It's very strong. Kanan is like not at the base. He's just like on a speeder bike trying to get back to the base because he was visiting with the Bendu. But his bike gets shot from the orbital bombardment. It, it gets destroyed, but he's fine somehow. And as soon as the shield is like about to bust and give way, Thrawn calls off the attack. Thrawn leaves Price to lead the fleet up in space while he goes down to the surface. This makes no sense because she is not part of the Imperial Navy and he goes down to the surface, which doesn't make sense because he is part of the Imperial Navy. Like he should be in space and she should be on the ground. It should not be reversed. But Thrawn learned nothing from Constantine, apparently. Like stay in your lane, my dude, but he doesn't learn. This is why he loses this battle. Ezra gets to Cronist with Chopper and Clan Ren's forces are already stretched thin. They're fighting a civil war. Sabine is like, I'm going to go with Ezra. You guys, like, sit tight, whatever. And Ursa's like, okay, okay, like, take a few ships, take a few Mandos, have fun. And a bunch of Imperial walkers attack Chopper Base. They're able to just, like, walk through the shield, unfortunately. The shield only blocks shots from the sky, I guess, somehow. <laughs> Um, but Ezra and the Mandalorians arrive just in time. They attack the Empire. I should note all of the rebels are now down on the surface and Ezra and the Mandalorians are like six or seven little fighters and it's all of them versus Thrawn's fleet. Somehow it's fine. Uh, their mission is to take out the one remaining interdictor. There were two of those ships with the gravity well projectors at this battle. Constantine's was one that was destroyed. They need to destroy the other so the rebels can escape to hyperspace. The shield busts. All the rebel ships take off. There's more pew pew in space. There's like this really bad storm brewing on Adalon. Um, the ghost crew and a few others are the only ones remaining on the surface when Thrawn rolls up and he's like, change of plans. I will accept your surrender now. And Hera's like, mm -hmm. we are literally all about to get struck by lightning. I'm not surrendering to you. And Kanan realizes that the storm is that's about to hit is actually Bendu. So lightning and thunder start like striking super close. And from the sky, Bendu's like in the sky now. And he's like, I am the Bendu. I bring death. Bow down, bitches, and get the fuck off my planet. And this is enough of a distraction that the ghost crew and the last remaining blockade runners are able to take off and escape from the surface. And Thrawn is like, <laughs> Thrawn goes, what kind of Jedi devilry is this? Which is like one of the best <laughs> lines ever. I fucking love it. Because um, he does not understand what the Bendu is. So the Mandalorians and Ezra, they're, the strike they're a strike team now. They're on the whole of the interdector. And they together are, like, going to take out the gravity well, like, from the hole. Just, they're, like, they've got, like, little spacesuits and helmets on. They're running around. Somehow magnetized to the hole. I don't know. They do that. The whole ship blows up. Now the rebel fleet can escape. Governor Price orders the stormtroopers through to throw Callus out of an airlock. Um, and then we get this awesome shot of Callus in an elevator with this little piece of hair out of place, like, in his face. And for some reason, Aww. it's, like, so hot. It's so great. Um, and you just know, like, he's going to escape. She sent two stormtroopers to try and take him out, and they're not going to survive. So he gets out in an escape pod. The ghost picks him up, and then they jump to hyperspace and escape. And we learn that everybody is headed to Yavin 4. 
Meanwhile, on the surface, Thrawn had ordered his men to shoot the sky, like shoot at the storm, like they're a bunch of <laughs> rednecks during a tornado, but they. <laughs> they... <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Uh, but this is actually effective. They shoot the Bendu down onto this, like out of the sky onto the ground, um, and Thrawn like rolls up to him, and he's like, "What? What are you?" And Bendu responds that Thrawn does not have the power to destroy him, and the Bendu tells Thrawn, "You cannot see, but I can. I see your defeat, like many arms surrounding you in a cold embrace." And Thrawn shoots him, and he disappears, but you can hear the Bendu laughing, like, in the background, like, he's not really dead. So good. Oh, it's so fucking good. I remember, like, watching this, everybody being so excited. They're like, oh my god, we're lining up with, like, A New Hope. We're going to Yavin. We're getting closer to, like, it was, like, so exciting. And Kanan and Callus both survived, which was not a thing anybody saw coming. I wonder if Thrawn's ultimate defeat will include many arms surrounding him and a cold embrace. Like, we know that that's how season four of Rebels ends, but he survives that, so it's not, like, his ultimate defeat. So I wonder if that'll come back around again at some in some way. Yeah. Fun note on Thrawn, he does not understand the Force in Rebels. He's, like, so smart and rational and tactical, but the Force is, like, beyond what he can comprehend. So he underestimates it. And this kind of doesn't make a ton of sense, I think, in the context of the Thrawn novels, because there are Force-sensitive chiss children that are used to navigate hyperspace in the unknown regions so it's like it doesn't translate exactly but it is so similar also thrawn knew anakin during the clone wars and he spends some time like chilling with vader so it's not like he's never been exposed to force users before but anyway it's going to be interesting to see i think where we land with thrawn and his understanding of the force in the Ahsoka series, given all that he knows now and mm-hmm. what he's experienced with these Jedi uh, in this show. Yay! <sighs> Yay! We did it! We did it season three! Yay! Well, one season to go. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. And uh, we'll get back to regular type episodes soon enough. But yeah, if you like what you hear, leave us a review five stars thumbs up whatever yeah you can find us on instagram and twitter at force toast pod you can find alice at slaya all day and you can find me at shut up underscore laura um i'm also on threads now trying to figure out if i want to keep using that i don't know i feel like it had like a, a big debut and now i don't know if it's still a thing but anyway find me on threads if you're there and you can listen to our show on all major podcast platforms including iHeartRadio, spotify and apple podcasts bye